Good morning, everyone. What a great service so far. And happy Father's Day to all you fathers here. Well done. I want to really just honour fathers. I'm a bit of a people watcher, you know, and I love just observing uh, people and what they do. It's a bit of a nightmare at airports because you're just on overload. Um, but I observe fathers in this church, and I just want to honour you fathers, you know, the love that you show your kids, the way you protect them, the way you care for them, the way you teach them, the way you want the best for them, the way you correct them at times and discipline them, you invest time in them. You know, I just want to honour you this morning for all you do uh, for your kids and for your heart for them. Um, I'm not actually a father, so it's a bit weird talking uh, at a Father's Day service. Um, I'm not sure that I'm uniquely qualified in any way to talk about fatherhood, but I am qualified to talk about the Father's love because I'm on a journey of discovering the Father's love. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. From 2 Samuel and chapter 9, we're going to read an intriguing story, and you may not necessarily see the connection first off, but hopefully by the end of my uh, talk here, you will understand um, where we're going with this. It's 2 Samuel and chapter 9, and it's the story of Mephibosheth, and I've said it correctly once, so hopefully I can continue saying it correctly. 2 Samuel 9, and King David said, is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness? For Jonathan's sake. Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called him to David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there still is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan, he is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, He is of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel at Lodibar. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Machir, the son of Amiel at Lodibar. And Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness. For the sake of your father Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land of Saul your father, and you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, What is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belonged to Saul and to all his house I have given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all my lord the king commands his servants, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth 
lived in Jerusalem, for he ate always at the king's table. Now he was, a la- was lame in both feet. I've been watching one of those boxed sets series on the television recently. It's called This Is Us. It's about a, a couple who are expecting triplets, and sadly, one dies during childbirth. But while they're in hospital, an abandoned baby is next to their babies, and they end up adopting him. So it's a white American family adopting a black child. This series is clever, and it shows the family story. In each episode, it goes backwards and forwards, uh, including all the generations. So slowly, a picture is built up of these three generations. You can understand why certain things happen, why people behave in certain ways. To understand this story, we need to know a little bit about the family history of the main characters. King Saul, who was the first king of Israel, had taken his own life. He was in a battle and he lay injured on the battlefield. And instead of allowing the enemy to kill him, he decided to fall on his own sword and end his life. A number of Saul's sons died. Saul's sons died that day too, including Saul's son Jonathan, who was a close friend and companion of David, who was now the king. So you had Saul and his sons who were killed. You have David, now the king. David of course, had been hounded and chased, threatened like an enemy, and had murder attempts on his life from uh, the wicked King Saul. However, he remained incredibly loyal to this dysfunctional king during his lifetime. And initially, there was uh, ongoing enmity between the house of Saul and the house of David. But as the years go past, and we read those years uh, in this passage here, King David was seeking to show kindness to Saul's family line. So why was that? This was because of his covenant relationship with his friend, Jonathan. Now, this was unusual because often a new king would want all of the previous family members uh, killed because they might threaten his monarchy. So Saul was dead, Jonathan, his son, was dead, and... There's just Mephibosheth left, Saul's grandson. He was the last remaining relative on the male side of the family line. And David spent time and effort um, seeking him out because he wanted to honor him with kindness. And he tracked him down through Ziba. David then restored Mephibosheth. He restored land and wealth and promised him a seat at the king's table. This was the last thing Mephibosheth was expecting, and David welcomed him into his family. So I want us to take a closer look at this story, one that obviously has a happy ending for Mephibosheth. The first thing I want us to consider is that Mephibosheth was an orphan. His grandfather and his father were deceased. He was living with family members on his mother's side, And he was keeping a pretty low profile, keeping his head down, and probably living with a bit of fear in case his life was at risk. When my mother died um, a number of years ago, it suddenly dawned on me that I was now an orphan. My biological parents had gone. My father had died when I was young, and my mother when I was in my early 50s. 
You know, when you're orphaned, whether you're young or old, it's never the same again. Those who gave birth to you, nurtured you, loved you, been with you there from the beginning, parented you, celebrated your successes, stood with you through good times, picked you up when you failed, are gone. And life is never, ever the same again. As a young boy, Mephibosheth was orphaned through war. He had lost his father figures in his life. When you're orphaned young, it can be a difficult adjustment, but even worse, I want to suggest to you, if we do not know a heavenly father, as created beings with a soul and a spirit which sets us apart from every other living creature on this planet, we are created with a heart to connect with God. That's what happened to Luke. He finally connected with God. He knew God in that way. People describe this need for God like a God-shaped hole in our heart or in our spirit. Therefore, if we do not have that connection with God as a father, you can be described as an orphan. You're living with someone missing in your life. In the book of Genesis, the relationship that God had with Adam and Eve is described for us. At the end of each day, as the sun was setting, Father God would come and walk and talk with them in the Garden of Eden. Now, God the Father did not walk away from that relationship. Adam and Eve, by taking that which was forbidden them, distanced themselves from God. By their actions, by their sin, they walked away from that intimate, close relationship with Father God. They felt they no longer needed God to be their father. And so, in effect, they orphaned themselves from God. You and I have inherited that same nature. We have followed in their steps. And by our actions, by our decisions, by our choices, we are all separated from Father God. Our sin means that we live in separation from God. Our sin forces us to live like orphans with no heavenly father, to no longer know the love of a heavenly father, to be estranged from him. All of us need fathers. However young or old we are, somewhere in our lives, there will be a father figure. But much more importantly, we need to know the love of a heavenly father. So like Mephibosheth, we're all orphans, needing a father. The second thing about Mephibosheth is that he was an injured man. He was a cripple. Mephibosheth was lame in both feet. Earlier in the book of Samuel, it tells us what happened. He was crippled in an accident when he was five years old. Mephibosheth's nurse, on hearing of the death of Saul and Jonathan, fled carrying him in her arms. And in the panic, she ran and she fell. The injury from the fall caused his inability to walk. It made him a cripple. We're not told exactly, but I imagine that he broke several bones in his lower leg or in his feet, which didn't set properly and left him unable to weight bear and walk. Think about that. That would have been devastating for a young child, no, not, no longer able to run and play with other children. And this accident, of course, had lifelong implications for him. He was physically handicapped. 
He would have been disqualified from any manual work. And even being a ruler or a leader, that would have disqualified him. And he would have lived with an incredible sense of shame and disappointment and a dependency upon others. In fact, one of the meanings of Mephibosheth's name is one who scatters shame. Mephibosheth described himself, did you notice it, as a dead dog. It doesn't sound like he feels too good about himself, does it? This could mean one of two things. Maybe he viewed himself as being useless, you know, carrying the shame of being unable to work, unable to be an ordinary member of his family and society, unable to defend himself even. Or maybe Mephibosheth was saying to the king, look, I'm no threat to you, King David. If you're unable to walk, then that has implications for how you live. And it did for this young man. Even today, being crippled in some way brings limitations. As well as being orphans, you know, if we're honest with ourselves, we're all injured or broken in some way. We're crippled in some way. We have limitations. We may have suffered some physical or emotional injury in life. In some way, we all walk with a limp. None of us are Superman or Superwoman. Well, some of you might think you are, but you're not. We all have limitations. Some may be small or some may be significant. We may walk with the limp of rejection or abandonment or abuse or being crippled by fear or anxiety or depression, some torment or a family or personal stress. A tragedy. You know, even successful people that seem to have it all together still walk with a limp. Let me tell you something of my own story. When I was a young lad, I can't remember how young I was, um, I was in a shop, a department store in Eastbourne, and I was with my mum and my sister, and I lost my mum and sister. Do you, do you, has that ever happened to you when you were a child? I was in absolute panic. I could not see them anywhere. I was running around trying to find them. I had that awful sense within me. What do I do? I've lost the person I'm dependent upon. The premature death of my earthly father when I was four left me with an enormous feeling of abandonment, similar to that feeling. Being without an earthly father left a huge hole in my life as I was growing up. And this gave me relationship problems with Father God. I came to know Jesus when I was quite young. I gave my life to Christ when I was 16. I had no problem relating to Jesus as my Savior, the one who died for me on the cross. I had no problem relating to the Holy Spirit who filled me and loves me. But I had a problem with Father God. He always felt distant. I almost had that sort of abandonment feeling, really, with Father God. In my midlife, though, I began to hear teaching on the Father heart of God and how much the Father God loves each of us. Eventually, I was able to open up and allow God to heal my heart in that area. And now I know and experience God as my loving Heavenly Father. Mephibosheth 
being an orphan and a cripple in some way reflects our own humanity. I recognize myself in this guy. Do you? There's something in our, all of our lives that's very similar to him. Thirdly, Mephibosheth was treated like a son. David, in his kindness, restored much to Mephibosheth, the land which had been forfeited from his family line. David gave back to Mephibosheth financial resources, enabling him to own land again and brought stability back into his life. He would have received fields and farmland and vineyards, and this would have made him instantly wealthy. And the servant Ziba and his family would manage the farm and the land for Mephibosheth. This story, you know, shows David's great compassion, his kindness and generosity to the one remaining relative of Jonathan. He could have seen him as an enemy, but he treated him like a friend even more than a friend. David did this because Jonathan had requested that he would continue to show love to his family. And David kept this promise to Jonathan. David showed kindness not by, not, by not only making him a landowner, but invited him to eat at David's table. Now, this was far more than providing him with a few meals. This was not a compassionate handout for a cripple. This was not a goodwill gesture. It was not um, a state handout to him. David gave him a position of importance, sitting him in the king's court. He was invited to sit at the royal table. This was a huge demonstration of kindness, giving him status, acceptance, honor, and respect. It was an act of friendship, an act of love, being treated as family, being treated like a son, being treated as royalty. This shows us not only David's incredible kindness, but also his forgiveness for all that had happened between him and Saul. His forgiveness enabled him to be free to show kindness and love. The dominant theme of this story is the king's kindness and the invitation to eat at the king's table like one of the king's sons. One thing we really need to understand here is the meaning of the kindness of the king. It's mentioned three times in this passage. If it's mentioned three times in scripture, then it's pretty important within a few verses. The king's kindness is key here. You may be kind to a stranger, and I hope you are. You may be even kind to your relatives, and I hope you are. That was meant to be funny. But sometimes kindness can be an emotional reaction. It can actually be superficial. It can be with what we're seeing in front of ourselves. It can be just a pull on our heartstrings, can't it? But in the story here, David is living out of a covenantal obligation, a promise that he had made to Jonathan. Covenants in those days were binding agreements. You did not break a covenant with another person. David made a covenant that he would be merciful and love the family of Jonathan. King David was being a man of his word, the man of integrity. 
In this we see the kindness of Father God towards us. This story is a picture of our lives. We are orphans. We need a father. And if we're honest with ourselves, we walk with a limp. Our Father God, through Jesus, has provided for us to live as sons and daughters. This was always God's intention for us. This was his heart for us. For God so loved the world that he sent Jesus to us. This is how much God loves the world. He gave his son, his only son. Why? So that no one need be lost. So that everyone could experience the love of a father. By believing in him, all of us can receive his everlasting life and his love. It's an unbreakable covenant that God has made for us. Mephibosheth was chosen and adopted. He was chosen, he was not chosen for what he could do. He was not chosen for what he looked like. He was not chosen for how he performed. He was not chosen because he tried hard. No, he was chosen out of a covenant relationship, chosen because of love. We too are chosen because of a covenant of love made by Father God to all mankind, to you. To all who receive him, he gives life. Not because we were born in the right place, not for how we look, not for how we perform, not for how we try, but because of Jesus Christ and his death and his resurrection, you are chosen ones and can be adopted as children of God. Just like Mephibosheth, we are free from disappointment. We can be free from shame and guilt. We can be free from everything that cripples us. Mephibosheth gained an inheritance. We too gain an inheritance of eternal love from our heavenly Father through Jesus. It is the love of Father God that heals us. His perfect love heals us. But what was Mephibosheth's part in all of this? What did he do? Well, he had to accept the inheritance that King David offered him. At that point, he could have said to King David, no, I'm just happy as I am. Leave me. I've got all I need. I don't need your help. Your inheritance awaits you. The love of God is waiting for you. You have a choice to accept God's love, to accept his forgiveness, to accept healing for your heart this morning, to accept the gift through Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross so that we no longer have to live like orphans, but can live like children of God. We can live free because of the extravagant love of Father God. There's always more to receive. All of us today can receive more of his love because I'm on a journey of receiving love and knowing love from my Heavenly Father, and we're all on that journey. Mephibosheth gained access to David and the royal court. We gain access to the royal court of heaven, to the table set before us. It's lovely pictures, isn't it? 
to our loving, kind, heavenly Father. We are called to live in intimacy with Father, with Jesus, and with the Spirit. Every one of you here this morning, I want you to really hear this. God the Father loves you so, so much. He wants you to become his child, to no longer live like an orphan with a heart that hurts, but to be his child. Father God wants you to be the recipient of his everlasting love. Not only does Father God love you, but he actually likes you as well. Did you know that? That was a revelation to me that God actually liked me. I somehow didn't always think about that. Father God loves you and he likes you. He approves of you. You are acceptable to God. When we find Father God, we become a legitimate child of his. We're no longer illegitimate. We're no longer an orphan. We do have a father. God really wants to be your father this morning, the one who gives you an identity, the one who loves you as his child. Father, God wants you to receive more of his love this morning, his unconditional love, his everlasting love that gives you a destiny. He wants to fill you so full of love that you cannot help but give it away. Do you want more of his love? Amen. Let's uh, stand. I'm going to invite the worship team uh, to come back. And I'd like us just to stand and I'd like to pray for you all this morning. I love that question that Luke posed to God when he told us that story. He said, if you're really there, God, show me. And if that's you this morning, if you're just not too sure, then I want to encourage you to pray that prayer. That is a really good prayer to pray. If you're there, show me. God will answer that prayer. He may not show you in the way he showed uh, Luke, but he will show you. And I want to encourage you, pray that prayer if that's you this morning. If you're really there, show yourself. For the rest of us, let's receive more of the Father's love, shall we? Just if you're comfortable, just put out your hands. I believe God just wants to just bring a fresh wave of love upon us uh, this morning. That Father's love, that love that draws us into intimacy. It's Father's Day. The Father wants to give you more and more and more of his love. Maybe your father was absent, as we heard earlier. Maybe your father, um, you know, was a disappointment to you. Don't take that into your relationship with Father God. Receive his love in a fresh way this morning. Maybe you need to forgive your father so you're freed uh, from those issues. Receive more of his love. As I was praying for this service, I also had that same verse that uh, Sai mentioned from Joel. Maybe there's some area in your life where you feel the locusts have eaten. You know, when locusts um, 
uh, swarmed in, in, in the lands that time. They would absolutely denude everything that was around. Um, and maybe you feel like that, that you've just lost so much uh, in, in, in your life. Well, God wants to restore that. He restores the years the locusts have eaten. Maybe, like me, you felt abandoned. You had that hole in your heart. Well, Father God can fill that this morning. He's well able to heal you and restore you and bring that intimacy. He is the Father to the fatherless. Father God, we thank you so much for your love. Thank you that your love brought Jesus to this planet, that you showed your love through Jesus' death for dying for us, that we might be restored to you, that we might have an intimate father relationship with Almighty God, who is all-powerful, who is awesome, and yet he wants us to be his child. Lord, would you just come and fill us afresh with your love. Come and brood over us with your love. Come and fill us with your love. Fill our hearts to overflowing with the love of the Father. Thank you that you are the king of kindness. And we receive your love. Thank you that you are a good, good father. You are a perfect father. You perfectly love us. And receive more of your love now. Thank you. Lavish your love upon us.